And we're live with Angular Air. We're excited to see you all. Um, my name is Kent C. Dodds, and I am your host for uh, this show. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Angular 2. And it, this uh, awesome framework is in alpha. And we've got a couple guests here who've tried it out. Um, and some of our panelists also have tried it out. And so we've got some initial thoughts um, as users of the alpha Angular 2. So just to introduce our guests, we have uh, Jeff Welpley. Hello. And that, the camera went to Scott Moss. So this is Jeff. <laughs> and uh, then we have Patrick Stapleton. Hey, nice to meet you. And hopefully we'll get Rob uh, Wormall down here pretty soon. Um, but then we also have Olivier Combe. Hello. And Scott Moss. What up? And Amy Knight. Hello. And then we may have uh, Carmen join us later as well. Um, and again, my name is Kent C. Dodds, your regular host and Angular um, lover, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go with uh, some quick announcements. Uh, first off, uh, our next show is going to be in a week um, on uh, same day, same time, same place um, with David East and um, maybe a couple others from Firebase talking about fire racing with Angular. And I'm wearing my Firebase shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> so Firebase swag today. Um, another announcement, uh, we finally took the plunge and bought the domain angular-air.com. So that is our oh, new uh, website. Yeah. And got an updated logo, as you might be able to tell from my little Hangout uh, toolbox thing here. Um, so it looks like the Angular 2 logo just in time for our show. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. And then. Also, we are doing a Teespring campaign, and I thought that would just be kind of a fun thing to do. So uh, if you want to get a sweet T-shirt with the, Angular, the new Angular Air logo on it, um, then go to uh, teespring.com slash ng-air, and you can get your own Angular Air T-shirt. I only need two more people for me to get my shirt, so somebody get on there. <laughs> so all right. Uh, and I just released that, so you won't be alone. Perfect oh, timing, Rob. Say hello, uh, Rob. <laughs> Can, uh, go ahead and say hello. I, I don't know if I heard you. Hello, hello, hello. Test awesome. There you are, Rob. Can you hear me? Uh, and Rob is our, uh, our guest for today as well. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, first off, let's do some introductions for uh, from our guests. So we'll start with Jeff and then uh, Patrick and then Rob. Um, if you guys just want to uh, tell us who you are, where you work, um, and what, uh, how you got involved in Angular and specifically Angular 2 as well. All right. Uh, so I'm Jeff Welpley. I'm the chief architect at Get Human. Uh, I've been working with Angular for about two years now. I actually gave a talk at ng-conf on server rendering, and um, that's where I met Patrick. And so he and I have been working a little bit on that effort. And uh, since then, we've kind of hooked up with some people from the Angular core team, and we're working on the Angular 2 server rendering piece. Uh, I also like to troll Kent Dodds, Kent C. Dodds. Oh, uh, so I make that uh, my part-time job uh, as well. Yeah, and you're really, really good at it, by the way. Um, <laughs> I try not to respond so very angry, angrily, but all right. Am I next? Um, all right. So I'm Patrick Stapleton, better known as Patrick JS. 
Um, my middle name's John, so that's what the JS stands for. Uh, and um, I work with Scott Moss on Angular class. We teach people Angular 1 and eventually Angular 2. Um, I got into Angular, so I've been doing Angular for about uh, two years, but I got into Angular 2 by, or actually, I think we're not doing that one yet. Um, but, yeah. I thought PGS stands for peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> well, it, it's not, it's, I actually do like peanut butter je- jelly sandwich. So, so. That's a missed opportunity right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Uh, so I'm Rob Wormald, better known as Rob Wormald everywhere, um, or Rob W. If you spend time on IRC, I'm a web engineer at GIF. So uh, I started doing Angular, I guess, like two years ago, spending a lot of time on IRC and Plunker, and I uh, just got into it. And I'm lucky enough that at GIF we get to basically live on the bleeding edge of everything. So we're sort of AT script users, and we're now starting to look at Angular 2 and all those sorts of, those sorts of things. So yeah, I have no real official connection to anybody. I just I just showed up. So. <laughs> well, Angular's the connection, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, are are you sure it's GIF, or maybe is it GIF? It, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just joking. <laughs> so, uh, we, do, actually, we do get we do get requests for recipes, uh, for, for peanut butter recipes, about once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna ask, but uh, I won't go there, I guess. <laughs> so, actually, I'll, I'll just throw this out there as a shout out to um, to Rob. When oh, my lights went out. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Rob. Um, I guess I'm I'm holding still. Um, so when uh, I I was on IRC about a year ago, trying to figure out how to do authentication with an Ionic app, and it was just driving me crazy because um, apparently cookies aren't a terrific way to do authentication these days. Ah. <laughs> so didn't know that. <laughs> And uh, and Rob showed me the light um, with Jots, JWT, Jason Web Tokens, and uh, that actually led to me uh, creating my one of my first real talks at a meetup, and that got me on Egghead in the first place. Uh, was that talk? So big thanks to Rob for helping. So me Rob, Rob essentially started your career then. <laughs> you can say that. Wow. You can say the thing is because he's That's great. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, th- uh, big thanks to Rob. He's uh, he's on uh, IRC all the time, helping people. You, you see him there. That's way cool. So, all right, sweet. So we're here to talk about Angular 2. Um, aside from having a cooler logo, Angular 2 is a much cooler framework. Um, and so we're going to talk about why that is. So, from from any of you guys, what uh, what about Angular 2 is like? Is currently in alpha stages. So, like, or or what's it like to? Sorry, let me change the question. What's it like to be working um, with Angular two right now? What's the development experience? Rob, yeah. uh, it's a little scary actually at the moment. Um, I would say it's it's like dramatically simpler. It looks way more complicated. It looks way scarier with the S6 and those crazy annotation decorator things. Um, but overall, I think it's a really much simpler concept as a whole framework. Um, so it's kind of everything you love about Angular One with none of the stuff you hate from Angular One. That's way I can kind of put to use it. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> 
Yeah, the one thing I, I would add is that, uh, I mean, whenever you're trying to learn anything new, there's a that initial period of just trying to get over the hump of all tons of new concepts. And I think all of us on this call have kind of seen that, of just trying to figure out every little thing. I mean, not only, for me, this is my first you know, real adventure into kind of ESX and a lot of that stuff as well, like TypeScript and everything. So there's just a ton of different concepts. But once you get past kind of the initial part of that, uh, Rob's right that the a lot of the concepts within Angular are a lot simpler. Um, I think the one thing that they are still kind of working out is kind of internally, um, not using it as an app, but kind of when you're actually trying to contribute to the Angular core code. Uh, that can get a little crazy right now just because everything's a little bit in flux. So, like, they just made a major update to the rendering layer, for example, and that changed a whole bunch of different co code internally. So, for contributors, it uh, can get, you know, really challenging. But, uh, yeah, I mean, from a usage standpoint, I think all of us kind of see that once things are kind of baked, it's going to be a lot simpler. Yeah, but it, would you say that it will also still be simpler if we didn't use things like TypeScript? Let's say we just wanted to write Angular 2 with vanilla ES5. Is it still pretty simple? I think so, yes. It's going to be kind of... I don't know. Like, There may be a little bit more boilerplate to do it, but effectively it's just going to be like you're going to have to do that kind of registration step, right? Like At some point you have to tell Angular about the stuff you're making. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're going to do that with ES5, it won't be quite so pretty, right? It'll probably be like Angular 2 dot annotate or something like that, rather than the yeah. sexy so the, Go ahead, Pepper. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, essentially, it's going to be the same simplicity, but it's, it's more of, remember how ES6 and TypeScript, that's more or less sugar, uh, exception in TypeScript because they're introducing types, et cetera. But remember, the, the whole goal of like Angular 2 is pushing a lot of a lot of features into the language and framework. So then you don't want to think about it. You don't want to create um, something like dot create class for this. You just use a class, and everything's very pure. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't probably go into it thinking that you're going to try to use ES5 with Angular 2. I mean, even though it's technically possible, like Rob's saying, like Why all the examples, everything is going to be in TypeScript. You're going to be, like, fighting against the, the grain trying to do something like that. So even though it's right. possible, I think the best case and where it's it's really going to be a sweet spot is if you kind of go along with all the the sort of nice sugar that they're trying to put on top and just kind of go down that route. It's like when React was like, use JSX and not use regular JavaScript, and all the examples are going to be in JSX, and if you don't like it, then screw you. <laughs> yeah, so what... Um, uh, what are you are, are you guys using TypeScript right now uh, when when you're messing around with Angular two or are you using uh, Tracer? You think, I mean they just moved everything over to TypeScript. I'm using TypeScript uh, in WebStorm, uh, and it's if you you kind of have to do some manual steps to like could, figure could everything. What's that? Could you could you start over? Sure. I, I was just saying that I'm using WebStorm with TypeScript. And uh, it takes a little while to kind of configure everything, but it is really nice once you kind of have everything set up the right way. I'm not really using it much, to be honest. Um, we've been using ES6 and this sort of AT script stuff for six months or so, and so we have quite a, quite a pretty good workflow going on at the moment, and we haven't quite yet figured out how to work TypeScript into that. 
I think a lot of that will probably come with the uh, sort of system dot register stuff. But I think when that kind of when the build step for for uh, TypeScript gets sorted out, I think we'll probably end up switching over to that. Also. Yeah. So so that's another example of the whole Angular two right now. It's it's largely in flux. So um, there's a whole like TypeScript migration going from AdScript to TypeScript. And uh, right now I use types. Uh, I I don't use TypeScript. I use AdScript um, just because the tooling. Is not there yet. Well, it is now, but like it just literally just released like a few days ago. So, um, like, yeah, the whole thing is totally flexible. <laughs> but yeah. So, Patrick, you helped me to uh, figure out how to get Angular 2 started, like an Angular 2 app started. And uh, so, Patrick is awesome. He did a hangout with me and basically taught me how to do Angular 2 in the night, um, which is super helpful. <laughs> I was giving a talk and was terrified. <laughs> so, but uh, so at at the time that this was just like a month ago or so. Uh, at the time, like create or like getting started was the like biggest pain in the rear. The tooling was not there anywhere at all. Um, so, has that improved at all in the last month? Or what, what's or, or maybe for our viewers, something that'd be more interesting to them is like, what is the experience like um, to create an Angular app at this time? Yeah, so remember, they're, they're working on this. This is still very much alpha. Essentially, they're creating a, a build version or a bundled version of Angular 2. So anyone can go into Plunker and include the script and be able to just jump into Angular 2. Um, the problem there is that you also need to build What was that? Oh, we should probably introduce. Uh, you love that one, by the way. Sorry, Rob. I think you were kind of cutting uh, in and out. I'm, I'm not sure. I totally heard you. Oh, I said you're welcome for the bundling code. That's my one and only contribution to Angular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, really quick, uh, Carmen just joined us. Can you say hi, Carmen? Hi. Sorry, I'm late. No problem. Uh, go ahead and uh, continue, Patrick. Thanks. Yeah. So the experience is going to get better, but remember, it's still very much alpha, and that's. That's the reason why everything's kind of everywhere, um, but the the initial setup is going to be a, a lot easier to to get started with. Um, the bundling is one huge step towards that. I feel so like, hard. yeah, sorry. Um, I feel that since uh, users are starting to take the framework into their own hand, um, there are a lot of new projects and skeletons that are popping everywhere. So you can you can use Babel now. You can use uh, I've seen projects with Webpack, and well, pretty soon you will have uh, uh, probably a scaffolding app uh, with uh, your man and stuff like that. So I wouldn't. I don't think that the tools are a problem for the moment. It's because it's alpha, so everything is complicated, but it shouldn't be a problem later. Cool. Thanks, uh, Olivier. That's a good point. So what? Um, we, we've talked a little bit about why Angular 2 is kind of scary right now. Let's talk a little bit more about why uh, it's worth the scariness right now and um, what makes Angular 2 so awesome. So any of you guys can take that. Yeah, I, I can just start off. Um, essentially, the focus of Angular 2 seems to be more towards scalable, chargeable, uh, massive apps. This is more of a your talk essentially, um, it's pushing everything into the language and framework. Uh, everything as in like a lot of uh, 
complex stuff that you would normally do. And because of that, it allows you to um, create anything above and around and with Angular 2 um, and pretty much, I guess, it's more focused more towards the scalable part of applications and, and large teams. And that's why you have something like TypeScript in order for you to define your interfaces. Um, so that way, when you share a component or something or a service um, to your, your colleague, they're able to quickly determine what that is. Um, and another example would be a service, like um, a service in Angular 2 is just a class. You just create a class, and that's it. Now, you could also include anything else, but essentially, it's, um, it's instead of dictating what your application structure should be in Angular 1, um, it's just providing the minimum amounts uh, for you to create things on top of. Yeah, I mean, just building on that, I, I think that they've taken a lot of learning lessons from Angular 1. A lot of the things that, uh, you know, the gotchas, the, the things that people kind of complain about sometimes, uh, which, you know, in my mind, I mean, there's uh, maybe a couple things, but uh, near the top of the list are um, some performance issues with larger lists, and uh, maybe the other thing is, uh, you know, ability to kind of reason your code when you have, like, kind of two-way data binding in, in a large app. It can get kind of crazy. And things like that and other things, they've just put a lot of thought into sorting things out in Angular 2. So for kind of the performance thing, a lot of the way the change detection is set up so that you can use immutable objects, you can use observables to make it so that um, a digest cycle is almost... Uh, you know, constant time, that it's it, it's almost instantaneous. Whereas in Angular 1, it's a um, linear progression that the more things you add to the page, the slower it's going to be, right? But in Angular 2, they've sort of addressed that. And for the reasoning side of things, you know, when you have data binding, which uh, is nice, but when you're two-way data binding all over the place and updating data um, in multiple places, your app gets very hard to reason. It gets very hard to understand when something happens, where did this actually come from? And so the, the underlying architecture in Angular 2 is a tree. It's built in terms of a logical um, tree, both in terms of the data and the way that components are strung together. So it's very easy to see how the data flows and how components are built because you just go down one to the other. There's not like, if you look at the graph in Angular 1, the arrows are kind of like all over the place. Uh, and it, it just gets nuts. Um, but I, I found, and I mean, you guys tell me if you, you think differently, but for just kind of the stuff that I've been playing around with so far, one thing that is very easy is to kind of understand what your app is doing in Angular 2. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And especially more on the debugging. So what is, one thing that I found out is debugging, because you're creating everything in components, everything's encapsulated in this particular uh, behavior, um, when they switch the, the syntax from um, from the, the star, from the pound sign to the star uh, for the viewport directives, um, I didn't see that anywhere. And for me to debug this crazy world of Angular uh, 2 Alpha, what I did is I commented all the components, then I just did a process of uh, elimination of uncommenting each component one at a time in order to find where the, the side effect or the error is happening. Um, you wouldn't do this in Angular 2 because there would be a lot better errors, but um, I'd say, like, that's how... That's, like, one thing that I used inside the code is take advantage of uh, a lot of the way that it's structured um, for debugging purposes, et cetera. 
Yeah, I think the it's it's really cool to see um, Angular to bringing in a lot of concepts from other frameworks. Like the the component model is very much like the React component model, which works really really well. Um, yeah. And so it, yeah, I think it's it's really cool to see these frameworks adopting concepts from one another. In fact, uh, Patrick and I were just talking about the other day that uh, you know a lot of a lot of stuff from React has definitely been pulled in. I mean, f for good reason. Uh, you know, there were a lot of good ideas there that. I don't think that they were able to kind of really use in Angular 1, but uh, I think I'm, I'm glad to see that they were able to kind of build that into the framework in Angular 2. I think the thing for me is that the ES6 modules are probably, for me, the coolest thing about Angular 2 because, because you don't have to wrap everything in an Angular module and everything doesn't have to be connected to an Angular module. That whole kind of layer of weirdness that you deal with when you start out in Angular is, is gone now. And so now it's mm -hmm. very much import the things you want to use, connect them to your components or to your services, and that's it. And the real big benefit of that for me is that when you're doing that import-export stuff with ES6 modules, then your tooling gets really easy. You don't have to run some crazy gulp task that goes and finds a bunch of stuff in a directory and munges it all together. You really just say to your tool, this is the entry point to start here, and it pretty much builds itself from there. And so that's not like an Angular 2 invention by any means, but the fact that they're using ES6 modules and they're using ES6 standards everywhere, everywhere, really makes it a, a, an entirely different experience, right? It's a lot less kind of, I'm writing Angular, I'm an Angular developer. It feels much more like I'm a JavaScript developer who happens to be using Angular to glue my stuff together is kind of the, the way I would describe it. And that for me is awesome, that I can write kind of pure code and just sort of register it with Angular. Yeah, really, for the yeah, most part, when, when, when you look at um, an app that's being built in Angular 2, a lot of the code is just, like Rob's saying, pure ES6, and the Angular-specific stuff is sort of segmented off into the annotations or decorators, whatever you want to call it. Um, the only other thing outside that is uh, obviously the, the dependency ejection uses some of the type annotation um, stuff as well. But uh, a lot of it is just plain ES6. You can share your code like isomorphically. Like it just works really well. And it makes things easier for testing too, right? So now you don't have to test your code with Angular. You can just test it as JavaScript. And that, to me, is a huge benefit. And you can just mock out everything. Yeah, definitely. Because everybody writes tests, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. For, for tools like, uh, for ideas, ideas like WebStorm and stuff like that can detect the, the, the errors before you, before you run the app. Yeah, that whole machine. So what, actually, let's, let's jump into testing a little bit. Um, have any of you guys, uh, I know that you're all like crazy huge onto testing. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the testing story like for Angular 2, uh, and, and how does it compare with Angular 1? I have no idea. It's super nice, actually. <laughs> so, Patrick, Patrick tests everything, don't you, Patrick? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do smoke tests with uh, Angular 2. <laughs> no, but um, for for our, our uh, isomorphic uh, approach with Angular 2, um, the initial concept was really just looking through the tests and then ripping out the compiler. Um, but essentially, the story is more or less the same. Um, in Angular 1, you would rip... Well, I guess it's, it's different because 
In Angular 2, you're able to rip out only the components necessary for the particular test. In Angular 1, you have to bootstrap all of Angular, then include stuff into Angular. So I guess the testing store is a lot better because of that. And um, because you also have this DI framework on top of it, you don't even need to include that anymore. You just uh, manage your dependencies manually because um, in your testing environment, you have a lot more control. You know, um, you're able to predict everything a lot easier. Yeah, actually, I, there is. Even though I have not written one test in Angular two yet, um, I, I actually can speak to one thing to, uh, Patrick's talking about. That you know, because they've added, in my opinion, better abstractions within Angular two, so that like just uh, you know the rendering layer, just as an example, um, that you're able to abstract out the DOM, you know, which which is very difficult to do in Angular one. Uh, it does. Not only with testing with you know uh, server-side rendering with a lot of other things, it makes it easier to um, alter the way that the app is functioning. Uh, so uh, that has you know with testing that helps a great deal as well. When you're looking through the tests that the Angular team has written, you know they use that a, lo a lot. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean by alter the way that your app is is working? Like, you're talking about so, um, locking out dependencies. Like, or? yeah, because the dependency injector will assemble the application. Like, it, it goes through all your dependencies based off of what your um, what your input is into the constructors of your classes, and it will instantiate them based off of the bindings that you set during the bootstrap process. So during when any of your bootstraps it goes to this huge list of bindings like that, so like renderer, right, is bound to a particular renderer, and DOM is rendered to a particular DOM. And so then when the dependency injector goes through and actually assembles your app, it will use those bindings. So you can alter those bindings in the beginning when you're, when you're testing or when you're doing anything else, and it's just, you could do it a lot simpler than, um, than in 1X. One, one yeah, Does that make sense? It goes back to that whole, it's the same concept as Angular 1, right? It's still DI, it's still flipping dependencies out. But it's, like everything else, I think, is much kind of clearer as to what's actually happening. In Angular, you know, you've always had the provide or the provide and the inject sort of functionality, but it's always been kind of abstracted away behind the, the controller, the factory, the service, or whatever. And now when you use it, you very much have sort of direct access to the injector. You have direct access to the kind of provide functionality. So it's a lot clearer to understand, I think, when you're swapping stuff out. Uh, I was writing some tests this week for our like our HTTP client, which is kind of a replacement for dollar sign HTTP. So we did that same pattern where you have an HTTP and then you have an HTTP backend. And it's really easy in tests with Angular 2 to just say, like, I want to, I basically, you basically say, I want to use my fake backend as my HTTP backend. And the whole thing is just so simple to understand. Um, and actually, I'm not really a big test writer. I don't really like writing tests. But I have to say, in Angular 2 and in ES6, it's tolerable, right? Like, I don't hate writing tests in it. I wouldn't say that I'm ever going to love it, but it is certainly a much nicer experience and a much kind of more understandable experience because you're not, again, dealing with all the kind of Angular boilerplate that infects your tests today. Like, the Angular 1 story is pretty good, but the Angular 2 story is, again, a much nicer, cleaner way of doing things. I feel like this is the uh, JavaScript tester confession, like JavaScript test anonymous or something. <laughs> I love writing your veggies. <laughs> so I, I think that uh, one, one thing that um, enables all of this awesome testing story for Angular 2 is that um, they're... Um, 
they architected it in such a way that it's that's easy to test, and, and that's what they did with Angular One. But now they're pulling Angular out of um, out of your app as much as they possibly can, while still providing you value. And so now it's more just JavaScript. You have you don't have to worry about the um, as many abstractions um, as you as you do currently with Angular One. Right. I, I think that's a good approach for more than just testing. Um, that uh, it, it helps with a lot of different areas where they f they kind of focus on a couple areas that uh, make front-end development uh, more difficult, like uh, dealing with the DOM and your view layer piece. Um, and then they um, like they give you helpers, because I, I know that they're, they're like still going to include an HTTP client and, and those um, kind of help helper utilities that we enjoy from Angular 1. But like the, the main like benefit that we get from Angular, I, I think, is uh, that abstraction away from the DOM and makes it just so easy. And, and we're still going to get that, and it's going to be much better um, in Angular 2. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to touch on is that, like, I know when they announced Angular 2, it was like, sweet, this is going to be mobile first, right? But it doesn't seem like they're talking about that right now. Is it just because, like, you know, Ionic is just like, sweet, we're just going to do Angular 2, Ionic 2, this is going to be legit, and Angular team is just like, yeah, Ionic's got it. Like, because I don't really hear them talking about that now. It's like, it's like no, change no, detections, TypeScript, so it's all this stuff. I don't think it's quite that where they're just deferring to Ionic. Um, I think that it's a hard problem. I, I think that they built the base foundation to be very good on mobile, like mobile web, um, but there are just still a lot of pieces that are needed. So one of them Patrick and I are working on for the server rendering, I think that is going to help. Mm -hmm. um, but also the same, um, a similar thing, you know, being able to use web workers, uh, also there's a couple other things that they've, they've talked about that um, are still in the process, basically. So I, I think it's not there yet, um, but it will be. You know, one thing in addition to all that, so, like, they definitely are trying to make the mobile web fast. That, that's a huge goal. Um, but with the new rendering layer, you can potentially do something like React Native in the future. So that, that is not built yet, but they uh, sort of have the things in place to build, use NativeScript and, and build something like that in the future as well. And definitely the Ionic guys are hard at work right now on the Android yeah. side. They are turning oh, yeah. behind the scenes right now. Essentially, the thing about the difference between mobile and web development is that web development, you're constantly recreating the desktop. You're constantly saying, I want to recreate this interface for the user. With mobile, it's more of like, I'm going to reuse these components, and I'm going to create the, the consistent experience for the user. So with Angular 2, um, because this is alpha, there's a lot of pieces missing for that. Like, um, material design is going through its phases with Angular 2, and it's, that's going to be released. So you could yeah, almost say, in Angular 2, uh, material design is out. Then you would have the necessary uh, mobile components, and then from there, they might start talking more about mobile. but um, that's the, the subtle difference between uh, the two environments. But again, like Google is also pushing material design because it's trying to uniform the whole experience between uh, web and mobile. Because it is really ridiculous that we're recreating, uh, you know, the desktop experience every single time for web. Um, but it makes sense to take what we learned from from mobile and apply that to web and say, hey, let's just all agree on this user interface so that way we could just stop worrying about it and then start building on stuff that we care about more. 
Cool, thanks. Um, yeah, <laughs> it just makes me feel like the web is totally broken. And <laughs> we're just building something on top of this broken thing, which is sort of like the web was not built to do what we're doing with it. But well, then, then, then you got he's famous then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Angular famous. Well, if I could, I could touch on famous uh, with that. But the thing about Angular two is that it allows you to. Well, maybe this is too much uh, Easter egg spoilers, but essentially with Angular two, you're able to um, the progressive enhancement experience is a lot better. Uh, this is oh, really, words. Yeah. <laughs> so this is way off the uh, topic, but essentially, like, say say we have a renderer. Um, say we have the super awesome renderer in the future. Um, you're able to plug that in into Angular two because it's modular enough, and and, and you're able to say Angular two interface with and from there, you're going to say, like, um, if you're the future of the web, if you have IE uh, 20, you can use that. But if you're below IE 20, you can use the regular DOM, et cetera, and all the old interfaces that we're used to. But uh, essentially, uh, so more on Famous, yes. Um, you would use Famous or something, yeah. So, so Patrick is our visionary here. Like, this is uh, <laughs> obviously not in, in Angular 2 right now. This yeah. is, like... He, he thinks I about a lot of the stuff that... Famous is going to be supported by Angular. Like, anything's possible. And, like, I, I, I agree with, like, a lot of, like, Patrick's vision. Um, but it, it's just there's a lot of work that it takes to get there. But the exciting thing, I think, is that a lot of that is possible, whereas in Angular 1X, it just wouldn't, wasn't even possible because the foundation wasn't there for it. I think that's an interesting way to think about it, right? Like, there was a lot of, of talk and chatter and a lot of panicking about, oh, my God, what does the template syntax look like? Oh, my God, you know, like, what do the, what do the curly braces mean? Or what do the, the parentheses mean? And to me, Angular 2 is way less about the kind of interface end of all of this, right? Because you can swap it for Polymer, or you can swap it for Famous, or you can swap it for whatever. To me, Angular 2 is much more about gluing all that stuff together, right? Like, Angular is kind of the... the table platform surface bag of stuff that really allows you to link all those components together, right? And that's that's all of how I felt about Angular, right? Like, two-way data binding is nice, and all of these things are nice, but Angular for me is really about the structure of your application, giving you a way to put stuff together, giving you a way that means you just don't have a big soup of divs all, all over your, you know, all over your, your interface, right? Um, and I think that still applies in Angular too, right? Like, it's, it's very much about Connecting stuff together, giving you giving you the sort of foundation you need, but being way less opinionated about how you actually do your interfaces, right? What your components actually look like. I think that's kind of the way I do it. Yeah, the the yeah. best example, if I could just go in reference, the best example is the logo change, right? In Angular One, we have a, a logo that's a shield, but it has this white border around it, right? Um, and in Angular Two, we don't. We don't have this border anymore. It's open. It's free. It's very, it's very subtle, but it's, it's very, it's very drastic. So, in so Angular, Patrick, what, what were you doing right before this? Uh... <laughs> I, was, I was designing the logo for our new Angular class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. but a, a couple, a couple, or, or a couple of things that I wanted to talk about was, um, like I'm always thinking about, like. You know how two things. How can we develop with Angular two? Like you know the module, the the directive plugin system here for Angular one is pretty good. There's a lot of stuff people are building. Super easy to get used to. So how does that work for Angular two? And then also Jeff, you kind of talked about it earlier, but like 
actually contributing to Angular 2. Like, Angular 1 was already, like, if you, if you don't have a lot of experience, it was already just like, well, now contributing to Angular 2, I think it's just going to scare a lot of people away. Uh, but on the flip side, it looks like it'll be easier to build things for people to plug into their apps. I think once the tooling and once it kind of goes to, to sort of beta, then I think contributing will be a lot easier prospect, right? Like, things move around every day right now, and they change, like, seven APIs every day at the moment, right? So it's a little bit difficult to get your brain around what's happening in the whole system. But if you read the code, and with the exception of, like, the change detection code, which is totally unintelligible to me, I just don't understand it at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at that, and I was like... Yeah. Just in time. Yeah, like, like what's a pipe? <laughs> with the exception of that, right, Reading the code base in Angular 2, like, I encourage you to go read the DI source code, right, for the dependency injection stuff. It's so easy. It's, you read it, and you're like, well, that, I now I actually understand what's happening here, right? Like, and I've never really understood DI in Angular, in Angular 1 kind of fully. You can read the source code of Angular 2 now and get it. And I think, again, ES6 is part of that. You look at that, it's a lot easier to understand, like, where on the page that class ends, right? Like, it's it's not these sort of gigantic 500-line providers that we're used to from the Angular or the Angular 1 source code. But at the moment, yeah, it's kind of the best, so. One thing I want to throw out there, and uh, I, don't, I don't know how well this will work, but uh, something I, I'm trying out as far as, like, learning the code. So if anybody's kind of interested in this type of thing, I started to create, and maybe we'll uh, send out a link for this, but... Um, I'm using Genius.com has a new beta that allows you to put annotations on any web page. And so I started to add annotations to the Angular source code as I was kind of reading through it and kind of just notes, my own notes for kind of understanding it. And uh, with the thought that not only when I look back at it, I can kind of see what the, those are, but um, other people can maybe take a look at it and and uh, see as well. So if you are interested in this type of thing, um, you can try out with me to uh, join the Genius.com beta and kind of as you're looking through the code and kind of teaching yourself, uh, add your own annotations and maybe we can kind of work on this together. So just to throw that out there. Yeah, more so um, there's actually a startup, the YC that's doing this. It's uh, code annotations. And I try to get in contact with them uh, and supporting Angular 2 in this. But... Essentially, they're more focused on, on Ruby, and they haven't got back to me. Um, but there's, like, a whole startup that's doing this, and it's extremely, it's it's really it's a really good idea. So um, if Genius is doing that, we, we could just all go on there and start annotating everything. Scott, cool. was yeah. the other, you asked, a, you asked another question, too, that I forgot now. Scott. I talked about, so contributing to Angular and also, like, how do developers actually get involved with developing third-party code for other people to use inside their code? Like, right now, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, there's a whole website, ng-modules, that people go and, like, add their stuff. And, like, the, the, the community is, like, pretty awesome. But not now that there's this whole layer of, like, at TypeScript and all these annotations, there's more to think about than just writing JavaScript. But how does that tie into actually, like, all right, I'm going to make this I'm gonna make this plugin for Angular 2. How easy does this have to be? Do I have to make my own build? like process with Gulp or Webpack or I got to use all this stuff to get things working or can I just write some JavaScript and get it in there? I think you're, you're definitely going to have to do, do some stuff, right? There's definitely going to be some some kind of fiddling with it. Um, I think it's a really good idea maybe to, to kind of think about how, let's set up that boilerplate or let's set up that kind of how do I build a module, right? How do I build rest angular for angular or whatever. 
Um, and again, to, to, to be repetitive about DI, right? Like the cool thing that I found with Angular 2 is, again, I try to, like, I don't think about the UI too much, I'm not thinking about components too much. I will quite often just pull the DI part of Angular 2 and use that sort of standalone to write the HTTP module I've been writing this week. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see, like, if we can get that process where you can write your components, your services and stuff in a way that you can do it without kind of all of the Angular tooling overhead at the moment. Um, and that's effectively what we do at work has been using like the DI layer from Angular 2 kind of standalone by itself. Um, so Rob, would you recommend that everybody listening uses the Angular 2 DI in their Angular 1 app? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you should totally do that. You should just merge the two things together, call it Angular 1.5, and then tell them that Kent said it was fine. And, and <laughs> what? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so more on the DS, and so um, I was joking with Scott. Uh, there was this issue that, that showed up uh, in Angular 1. Uh, people were complaining about the synchronous DI system. So I was, I was telling Scott, I was like, oh, we probably just hack it in. It's like one little change uh, here and there. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'll just like dive in and see what happens. Um, and it's funny because... Oh, so the, the issue was a synchronous run callback. Um, so when you do dot run, it's synchronous. So it, it does all, it hits all the callbacks of all the runs before bootstrapping out. So essentially, um, to make that asynchronous, you would eventually um, make the DI system asynchronous. But if you make the DI uh, um, if you make the DI system asynchronous, then you're pretty much just remaking DIJS, which is in Angular two. So it's like, why even bother to just include yeah. DI just include DIJS? In, um, in Angular 1, um, because it's supporting the whole like uh, string token syntax as well. So you might even see uh, the DI system in 1.5. Um, That's more than anything else, I think, is it would be the best possible solution to migration, right? Like if people can yeah. use UDI with the old Angular, then yeah. that, that, like that sort of migration story gets a whole lot easier. That's, that is, as you said, the kind of the glue that connects everything together. But it's not trivial. I, I had a go at that last week about, yeah, I'll just plug DI into the controlled Angular and got six hours in and went, nah, never mind. <laughs> Let somebody more experienced do this than me. Yeah, actually, that's one thing that I wanted to, to touch on. Uh, there are actually two things that I want to touch on before we come to the close of our show in the next couple minutes. Um, first, um, I know there was a huge backlash on the template syntax. People said it's like crazy, ugly, and whatever. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, there, I, I'd like to ask you guys about your experience actually using that new temp template syntax and why it actually totally rocks. And then, um, second, uh, the migration strategy, like, what, where do you think we are now? Um, how, like, do you think that it'll improve for where it is now? So, first, let's talk I'm gonna about... Make, I'm going to make a prediction about template syntax. One year from now, uh, no one's going to be mentioning, talking about that at all. Like, the only reason why people are talking about it right now is because it's different and they don't use it now and they're just kind of trying to wrap their heads around it or whatever. But it's sort of like how Rob alluded to earlier, like the core of what is Angular 2, I mean the, the syntax is like arbitrary, right? And, and I mean, if it really bothers you, you can use, um, you know, bind dash, uh, whatever the, the element it is. Uh, so you're not stuck to that if that is really something that kind of sticks you in the rib or whatever. Uh, but it's, it's totally meaningless that a year from now, people are going to talk about many more other things, and uh, that'll just be the norm. But do you think that template syntax is as declarative as Angular 1 template syntax is? Well, I think it's more simple, because it, just take focus, for example, ng-focus, right? 
What, what do you think NG Focus does? Tell, tell me, actually, if I ask everyone here on, on the panel, even though you probably maybe even used it, you probably don't know, actually, because does it set focus? Does it do something once you focus? I mean, who knows? So, like, that's what one of the great things about having these different syntax for whether it's a binding or an event. Uh, it, it lets you distinguish that in your mind, and obviously then the tooling can handle that a lot better. Yeah, so let me, let me touch on that. So... Scott's original question was, um, is it declarative? And um, you kind of said, your answer was saying that it was a simple. So both are true. Essentially, um, it's a little bit more imperative code in your declarative code. And so essentially, you have this abstract concept of brackets and then like curlies and, and inside of your template language. But the idea is that um, when you introduce imperative code, you're kind of um, thinking that something should kind of happen if you do it this way, in this kind of non-declarative way. But it is kind of declarative. Well, okay, maybe I'm going a little too deep. But essentially, <laughs> it's, um, I guess, let me just go, let me just back up a little. So like, um, Angular 1, remember how we had the ng colon namespace and then the vine dash ng dash yeah. We have well, multiple talk. different ways to do this. So in Angular 2, we're doing the exact same thing. And this is, remember how Angular 2 is really just a collection of all the best things in Angular 1 uh, done with a better abstraction. So in Angular 2, we're providing uh, everyone with a way to use whatever syntax they, they want to, but it's just, it's just more preferred to do it the, with the bracket uh, way because it's a lot simpler um, to reason about, especially if you teach anyone Angular 1, you kind of, they always hit the questions like, oh, why do I have to do it that way? Uh, and Scott and I know a lot about this, but essentially, like, if you teach them, like, the, the three or four concepts mm -hmm. that are necessary with the uh, template syntax, then everything else is a lot easier to reason about. And, uh, yeah, so. Cool. Having used it just a very little bit, I already love it. It's awesome. So if you haven't used it yet and you're like, ugh, this is so gross, or, like, why do they need to change it? Like, stop crying, go try it out, and you'll be like, oh, actually, yeah, this is actually really, really cool. So, um, so a last question before we get into our final uh, Q and A and stuff. Um, what uh, what's the migration strat strategy like right now? And um, thanks, Patrick. <laughs> I, I actually did not do that. <laughs> uh, I did that. For listening to the audio podcast, because most people actually listen to the audio, uh, Scott Moss just put a hat on Patrick's head. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, migration strategy. What does it look like right now, and what is it going to look like? Or, or um, obviously, that's a really tough question to answer. But like, what do you speculate that it will look like? How difficult will it be to migrate? Yeah. So I could I could totally speculate on this. Essentially, a lot of people are. So what I see right now is everyone suggesting that you should migrate your Angular one app to the component style, and that is structuring your app more like a tree. Um, similar to the module style, but the way I see it is that we could just write the code the way we want to write it, and when Angular 2 comes out, we'll just re, uh, refactor it into Angular 2, and it's not best practice for Angular 2, but it still works. And then after you make that initial hump, you could, from there, refactor your Angular 2 code into best practice Angular 2. And um, you could totally do this, and... Um, uh, the, what you're really doing is you're pushing a lot of the migration 
to the flexibility of Angular 2. Well, I, I, th I think when it comes down to the, the migration, it, it comes down to two things. One is just going to be routing, and two is just going to be directives. Yeah. If you get those two right, then you're going to be fine, right? There's talk on, you know, on Gitter. If you look at the repo, there's this new Angular.component method that people are going to be using. Uh, yeah. I think Kent, I saw you on there. Everybody, I saw a lot of you guys on there. So, like, there's two to that to simplify the directives so they're more closer to components. And then, of course, the router is going to come to play. But, like, if you write your apps today using those technologies, I think migrating over to two is not going to be that difficult. I would, uh, I guess the thing that I would add is that, so we, like I said, at GIF, we're, we're really, really bleeding edge to the point of insanity sometimes. So, like a year ago when DI got announced, DIJS, which is kind of DI library, right? Like, we grabbed it and we were like, oh, this is awesome. And so we do this thing where we effectively, so I guess what I would say that if you're writing Angular 1 apps today properly, right? the vast majority of your code should live in services slash factories, whatever. And obviously, that's a broad generalization, right? But any sort of, you know, complex app is going to have a large amount of service code. That's where most of your logic should live. And those really are, I think, are going to be your most portable things, right? Like a service is a service is a service today. Um, so what we actually do is we write a bunch of Angular 2-style services. We annotate them all. We use the DI injector. And then we build all of that into like a single Angular 1 provider, which we inject into our application. So again, I'm not advocating that anybody do that. But certainly, we've been doing it for the past six months or so. And it's a little bit complex to understand. But it's actually really cool in that all of our code that works in Angular 1 today that's kind of API-related, service-related, data-related, we can pretty much drop into Angular 2 straight away. And for us, the kind of ability to not have to worry about the vast majority of our business logic, right, means that we're not quite so concerned about rewriting our components to, to go to the Angular 2 syntax, right? Like, that is very much in flux right now, and so we, we're not really doing any Angular 2-style UI. But certainly, I would think for everybody out there that if you write your Angular 1 services service-heavy and... You know, using ES6, I think, is a good idea with Angular Angular 1 today as well. You can do both of those things, then I think your, your migration story to Angular 2 becomes a lot simpler, right? Because, again, you've got everything kind of disconnected already, and at worst, you're going to have to go and sort of unwrap the things that are wrapped in Angular modules at the moment, right? And there are some interesting projects out there to kind of blur those lines and let you use decorators to dec decorate Angular 1. Um, I, I don't know how much of your UI you'll be able to migrate easily, um, but certainly your service and data and business and all that hard stuff, as far as I'm concerned, should be very, very migratable if you're doing it properly today, right? It's, it's also worth noting that you could, actually, you could actually create your directive with the Angular 2 uh, interface. So you literally could say, um, the, the difference is that Angular 1, you're able to say, this attribute is whatever. In Angular 2, you remember there's a the long the long uh, the long syntax, longhand syntax. Essentially, it's bind dash. So if you have two-way uh, data binding uh, hooked into bind dash whatever, then essentially the the directive API would be the exact same. And the only thing that's different is the underlying interface. Um, and that's something that uh, I'm going to show in the Angular D3 talk at NG Vegas that we have a D3 component with the interface that's the exact same uh, for Angular 1 and 2. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to give a slight variation of what 
Patrick was talking about, um, and it is interesting to know for what Rob's doing with DI to kind of help with migration. Uh, you know, no one else will do that, but it's cool to know that Rob's doing it. Uh, but <clears throat> I, I think that it, it's not as much, um, even though you could use a lot of these Angular 2 tools in Angular 1, uh, which is, is definitely cool and you, you should use that you know, as you need to, uh, I think the easiest path is probably going to be taking a minimalist approach of, I think there are things you have to change in your Angular 1 app more than likely to align with Angular 2. You know, you don't have to necessarily go crazy and implement, you know, every, everything that's available. Like, even the, the router might be helpful, but you don't necessarily have to. I, I think what is important are things like, you know, getting rid of, you know, using ng-controller, things that just, like, that concept doesn't even exist in Angular 2. So, like, if you'll have a hard, if you rely on that heavily, you'll have a hard time. Same thing with you know, um, if you rely on, like, dollar sign scope, that's sort of, um, instead of doing that, you know, you're, you're binding to the this on, on the controller. Uh, but depending on what you're doing with scope, like, especially if you aren't isolating your scopes in your Angular 1 app, you will have a hard time translating it into something in Angular 2. So there's certain things like that that you definitely should spend time in your Angular 1 app, like aligning. Um, and then, uh, you know, depending on your appetite for a kind of... Uh, uh, how how much uh, you want to bite off? You can you know either take like a huge uh, big change, big bang migration over, or I, I think it's definitely possible to just kind of keep adding s slowly uh, incremental updates to your Angular One app until it's to the point that you do want to make that big jump. I think definitely getting on ES6 is is your best kind of mid step, right? Like if you can yeah. do that then the whole process gets a lot easier. And it's just, it's nicer anyway. Like, even if Angular 2 didn't exist, I would still say, go write your Angular 1 apps in Angular, or in ES6, right? Like, it's just a, a much nicer syntax to use. Everything, to me, works a lot better. And I think if you can do that, then you're already kind of in the Angular 2 mindset if you start writing ES6 today. I think a migration find is, is really hard to say because everyone kind of structured their, everyone structures their app differently. And because of that, you can't have an overlying, this is how you should migrate all of your apps. It's more It's more of like, this is how, if your app's like this, and you, you could probably have these three choices of migration, if your app structure like this, then here's another three. And that's solely because the, of how the community changed. So essentially, when Angular was released, we structured everything by type. So controllers, directives, et cetera. And majority of uh, people still do that. So migration plan for them would be these three paths. And then for people who structure their app um, like modules, uh, with modules, it's a lot easier for them because everything's kind of an MVC model there. So essentially, that's kind of the reason why it's really hard to say this is a migration plan because there's just so many different ways to do it. Cool. I, I think uh, I, I wish that we had more time to talk about that because I, I still want to uh, chat about several other things. So maybe we should just do another one of these uh, sometime. That would be fun. Actually, that would actually make sense. So eventually, maybe we will. Um, but uh, yeah, with the time that we have remaining, um, I um, we're gonna just close off with our, our regular Q and A and and uh, uh, developer tips. So. Right now, let me just double check, but I don't think that we have any uh, Q&A um, to speak of. And so 
let's just go ahead and, and get into our developer tips. Um, Wait, um, I have a question, if I can. Just, uh, yeah, go ahead, Olivier. Yeah, since, since I'm used to ask questions. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you're on the show now, so that's why there's no Q&A. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Jeff's also on the show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's why there aren't any trolls in the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think is missing in Angular 2 right now uh, that makes it impossible to create uh, an app with it? Uh, because... Well, when I tried to make my small project uh, to try Angular 2, I was missing uh, the router, and they merged it last night uh, in Angular 2. So now we have the router, but is there anything else that is missing? So essentially, um, remember all the, the helper directives? Like pluralize, because everyone uses that directive, right? No. Um, that's missing. Uh, all the filters are missing. One time, um, one time data binding. Yeah, <laughs> two-way data binding is missing. <laughs> you know, all the all the essential stuff that we're using. Animations. Yeah, animations missing. Um, all the core stuff. Um, I I wouldn't say core stuff. So all the other stuff that's not core. Um, that's all missing. Well, actually, that is kind of core. Anyways, um, the router is just now there, but essentially that was the biggest component that's preventing a lot of people from from making apps because essentially all the example apps are just one, literally a single page app. Um, I, I made a, a two-page app with the, the Falcor JS example. Um, I, essentially, <laughs> I essentially had to make that a That was painful. Record. That was painful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, essentially, there's just a lot of like small things that you would normally use in production um, that's missing, just directives and stuff that would make your life a lot easier. But there's literally nothing preventing you from recreating all that. Example would be when I had to create a mini-router in order for the example to work. Um, for a details page, etc. Like it's just a lot of work um, because you have to build that out rather than having a really good foundation um, built by the core the team. I think now the router's in, we're gonna have a much better look at it. Um, and obviously, oh, yeah. there, we don't have stuff like HTTP and sort of the the kind of built-in services that you're used to from Angular. The nice thing, again, is though that like you don't need a special version of HTTP for Angular 2, right? Like, just, you can use Fetch, or you can use XHR, or you can use Observables. You can do whatever you want, really, with those sort of services that you're used to today. So I think now the router's in, yeah, that won't get stuck in. I don't know that I would go build a production app on it, right? Let's just be clear about it. But... Certainly, now that now that we have a router, I think that, that it's it's well worth if you're at all interested getting getting stuck in and, and figuring out how it works together. That's what I'm going to do today is now go figure out how the new router works. So. <laughs> yeah, you could totally build a production app that you just ship out there and never update ever again. And it all <laughs> <laughs> call call Ken. It's fine. It's fine. We'll it we should we should get yeah. Brian on the show to talk about the router. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we need to have daily shows, I think. We have enough content. <laughs> but I don't think that I could do that. <laughs> All right, so um, I think, yeah, we're, we're a little bit over our time already. Uh, I really wish we had more time, but we don't. So we're going to say our goodbyes. Uh, so let's go ahead and, um, uh, yeah, have our, our tip for a brand-new developer. So we'll go ahead and start with Jeff. What's your tip for a brand-new developer? 
Uh, well, two quick things. Just uh, if you don't know about Gitter, and I strongly suggest kind of jumping on there for either the Angular 1 or Angular 2 rooms. It uh, helps a great deal, and a lot of people are willing to help with any issues that you run into. And then if you're, ha if you're wondering or like kind of where to start, there is a link which I will send you that has a great um, set of resources for Angular 2 resources that someone put up on GitHub. And I, that's sort of like every link I can think of for Angular 2, that guy always kind of puts right up there. So I, I'll put that in the thing in just a second. Awesome. Thank you. Olivier. Again? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I don't know. Um, let me think about it. Just find okay. me. We'll, we'll come back to you. Patrick? Yeah. Yeah, so reading source code. If you're a new developer, um, reading source code is really important because um, eventually you'll understand it. <laughs> but it's really good. <laughs> no, it's true. Like in the beginning, it's like it's it's actually a really good tip um, to read source code because if you don't, then you would constantly think everything's just magic, right? Um, but it's really nice to like dive in and figure out exactly what's going on. But um, I would say read source code as much as you can. Um, or, or just do a lot, a lot of build a lot of projects, one and two, um, or actually do both. Yeah. Two for the price of one. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, uh, Rob. What uh, what pro or uh, new developer tips do you have? So is this new Angular developer tips or just new JavaScript developer tips? JavaScript in, or developers in general. So Haskell developers should be able to watch this and learn something. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. Do that. Uh, I would say, honestly, I would say, like I've said like 11 times in the podcast already today, like use ES6. Uh, don't be scared of it. Get your, get your head around how it works. Um, I use System.js for all of my loading, right? So you can use System.js and ES6 together. I think JavaScript, like if you're if you're a new JavaScript developer and you're using old JavaScript again, um, it's got all these weird idiosyncrasies, right? Like if you want to write a class or whatever in, in JavaScript and ES5, right? It's ridiculous, right? Everyone looks at that and goes, "What the hell is JavaScript about?" <laughs> ES6 feels almost like a real programming language, right? Like with imports and classes. <laughs> I know they're not actual classes, but it's almost like using a real programming language and Honestly, for me, it's really changed the way I feel about writing JavaScript. I think that it's it's just so much nicer to write. It's it's a it's an entirely different experiences. And I think if you're new, and this might be a little bit counterintuitive, right? But if you're a new JavaScript developer having never touched it before, I think coming into ES6 versus ES5 would actually be a lot easier because a lot of the kind of crazy prototypey stuff that still happens has a much nicer interface. And I guess that's the kind of theme, right, to all of this new JS stuff, is that we have this concept of having nicer interfaces and hide all the guts kind of under the hood. And that's really, for me, what Angular, or uh, ES6 and Angular 2 are really about. So use JavaScript, use ES6, use System.js, be happy. Great, thank you. Uh, Carmen, why don't we go with you next? Um, I would say uh, question how stuff works. Like, don't take anything for granted. Really question everything, but question it out loud. Um, it really happened to me. So um, I was like, hmm, wait, how does this work? And then I went into, like, I, I started to dig in, and then I was, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So question things out loud. Great, thank you. Uh, Scott? Yeah, I've. I've given this tip to a lot of new developers because I actually hang around new developers a lot, or I used to. Uh, I would say 
a lot of a lot of new developers get stuck on what to learn and how to learn because there's so much information out there. So I would say I have three rules on what to learn. Uh, one is how popular is this thing? So if people are blogging about it, it's showing up on trends. Uh, two, how how scared of it? how scared am I of it? So if I'm really really scared of it, I probably it. And then three, how practical is it? Like, are people hiring for this thing? Is it going to get you a job? Is it just not like some futuristic thing that nobody's building. So if it's two of those three things, I put it on a list to learn. If it's all three of those things, I'm super scared, it's super practical, it's super popular, I learn it immediately. If it's one or less, I just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about media. <laughs> nice. Um, I'll go ahead and give mine and then uh, and then Amy. So my tip, uh, I remember uh, some of you may know who Merrick Christensen is. Uh, I worked with him at Domo, and he's a, a rock star developer. Um, and I was learning JavaScript, um, or learning how to program. This was just a couple years ago. And, and he, said, he gave a suggestion to me that I thought was really good. Um, at the time, underscore was all the rage. Um, and so he, he said, go to underscore, uh, like the documentation, just look at the API, and write the functions to uh, satisfy the API. Uh, so basically, rewrite underscore um, was his suggestion, and like I actually, to be totally honest, I never did that. Uh, but <laughs> but um, like thinking about it now, like I, I think that would be a fantastic thing to do to learn how learn JavaScript. Um, is go to don't go to underscore, go to lodash um, and lodash.com. Um, and <laughs> yeah, is basically rewrite Angular for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but that's, it's totally like that's, it's a, that's interesting. Yeah, do that as a learning exercise. Like you're not you're not building your own like replacement because Lodash. And the same thing applies with jQuery and Angular and Lodash and Ember. Like all these abstractions that are built by teams and whatever, or or somebody as awesome as um, uh, Dalton. But um, if you Put the effort and, and thought into um, re rewriting your abstractions just as a learning exercise. That that's a really um, beneficial thing for you as a as learning. So, my tip is uh, rewrite Lodash. <laughs> me, me and Patrick, we we can vouch for that. That totally works. Yeah, yeah, that works. Hundred percent guaranteed works. Oh yeah. Wow, that's an that endorsement. Was, that was my introduction to to JavaScript actually. Mine too. Yeah, that was ours. So. <laughs> Um, it was definitely a great, great way to go about it. Cool. All right, Amy. Okay, so building on this theme, I think that pretty much everyone's picks have been similar. Um, I was going to give the advice um, to really make sure you first understand how JavaScript works. I think that you can learn JavaScript and Angular at the same time, but don't go too far into Angular without first understanding um, like some of the nuances of JavaScript. So I kind of like help with a study group here in Baltimore, and it's kind of surprising. Um, you know, a lot of people are really excited about Angular, but they look at it and like some of the boilerplate you kind of have to get going to, you know, get your get your app ready to go. They they're just kind of like copying that without really understanding like, you know, that this is a callback and and how this is all working. So that would be my advice: is to first, you know, make sure you understand that. Great. Thank you, Amy. Um, and thanks, everybody, for coming on to the show. Is there anything else? What were you put out there? Yeah, I have my... Um, if you want my uh, my advice to new developers, I have one, if you want. Yeah, go ahead, Olivier. Sorry about that. 
Yeah, um, just try to learn what the keyword this is doing. Oh, yeah. Man, I love JavaScript so much. <laughs> God, I can explain that right now. Right now. So this is referring to the thing on the left of the dot. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> and that is this keyword. Helpful with arrow functions. Sometimes. really understand it. Yeah. Awesome tip. All right. Um, so I think that's our show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. Just a la uh, last couple of announcements. So first off, I really, really, really want my Angular Air t-shirt. So <laughs> go to teespring.com slash ngair. I'll link it in the show notes. And uh, go buy yourself a sweet Angular Air t-shirt. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we also changed the uh, website. It's no longer just a GitHub um, URL. It's, it's now angular-air.com. So go check that out. And there's also, I added links to the iTunes um, and YouTube channel and the um, RSS feed. So if you're not using an Apple device, um, how you can subscribe. So, yeah, check that out. And then uh, finally, yeah, let's not troll about Apple. <laughs> finally, um, next week's show is with David East and probably some other guys from Firebase um, on May 5th, same time, same place. So look forward to that. Um, so, yeah, that's our show. Without any further ado, uh, thank you, everybody, for coming, and uh, we'll see you later. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.